From PQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. My name is Martha Grover, and I'm going to be reading from my book, One More for the People. The piece I'm going to be reading today is called 15 Things I'm Not Putting on My OkCupid Profile. Number one. This morning I put my iPod on shuffle, and strangely, the first two songs I heard were both about murdering women. The first was Tom Jones' Delilah, and the second was Neil Young's Down by the River. I prefer the Neil Young song. Two. I'm trying to come up with a good evolutionary theories as to why men go bald or women live beyond menopause. Also, why is pleasure so often coupled with pain so we can remember who we've had sex with? My theory is that pain is the only way our brain remembers anything. More pain, more wrinkles on the brain. This makes sense. It's why we don't often eat nails, or at least not enough nails to kill us. Three. When I was eight or nine, I used to sit alone in my room and gag myself. The reflex was what fascinated me. Just by sticking my index finger far enough down my throat, I could make my body do something it didn't want to do. It was as if I had taught myself to fly. 4. Parts of me perform irreconcilable actions. I have no control over these different parts. 5. A friend lives next door to an annoying, barking dog. I was over at this friend's house last week, and we were drinking wine in his beautiful, plant-filled backyard. As the sun went down, the dog next door began barking. You hear that? he asked. Tomorrow morning, when my neighbors leave, or maybe even tonight, after they go to bed, I'm going to throw this over the bushes into their yard. He grabbed a paper bag from his feet and opened it up. Inside was a huge hunk of black forest ham, as big as his head. He explained that the dog would feast on the ham and then puke and shit all over the inside of their house. 6. What makes me happy? Elton John. What makes me sad? Elton John singing about his wife. 7. When I am lonely, I think about George. How we hiked to the top of Laterell Falls together and sat down on the late summer sweet-smelling grass, and he leaned on one elbow and I was on a rolled-up flannel, and we stared out at the Columbia River Gorge. His beard was the color of the golden grass. Little bugs began to land on our heads. I took a piece of plant and bent it over and over in my hands until it was a lopsided square. I told him how I had hurt so many people through my writing, and he asked me if I was sorry because I didn't sound like it, and I said nothing, just smiled at him. Then he told me how he had kidnapped someone once, how he and his friend drove this guy around the block in their car, how they told this guy he better pay their mutual friend the money he owed or else. George said he's lucky he's not in jail, and I thought, looking at him and smiling, how I'd prefer to be silent always or else have conversations like these. 8. I am sad that even the removal of an organ is not enough to scare me into being responsible, nor the threat of poverty, loneliness, disgust, despair, social stigma. None of it is heavy enough to make me endure unendurable boredom. I don't know how. I don't know how to do it. 9. What appeals to me is walking into the sea. I'd rather choose an outfit from my closet, get on the bus, get off the bus, walk to the edge of the ocean, my favorite place, and keep walking. Eventually, against my body's will, its fight to survive, one system will override the other, my mouth will burst open, water will fill my lungs, and that'll be it. 10. She said her friend made art, and this had something to do with me. And I looked this friend up on the Internet. I didn't really understand the art. But I knew that, yes, it did have something to do with me in some indescribable way. I just wasn't sure how. Her art was just a bunch of stuff falling apart, lying on the floor in a gallery. 
dressers and lamps and trash bags and huge papier-mâché asses, and people were taking pictures, people were writing reviews. The artist, she's getting grants. I imagine my own parents drowning in trash. 11. When I was six or seven, I secretly took the embroidery supplies upstairs into my room. After I got bored trying to follow the nursery rhyme patterns, I took the needle and punctured the heel of my left hand. The skin was thick and tough. I hardly felt a thing. I pulled the thread through. You could see the orange thread beneath the top layer of my skin like my skin was lace or tracing paper. After that, I poked each of my five fingers and pulled the thread through until my hand looked like it had been visited by a spider, or my hand had decided to throw a party and put up streamers, or it was involved in some torturous version of Cat's Cradle. I didn't think anything was necessarily wrong with this behavior, but I had the nagging sensation that Mom would be upset if she caught me, similar to the reaction I received when I was caught sucking on my baby sister Zoe's earlobes and toes. Martha, my mother cried, you don't suck on other people's toes. If you want to suck on a body part, suck on your own body part. I was ashamed, but mostly I thought it was unfair. My own toes were dirty and smelled bad, and my mind briefly puzzled over how I might suck on my own earlobe. In defiance, I took to picking my own scabs, just a little, just around the edges, just so that they would bleed a little bit. Sometimes I would get carried away and tear off a big chunk, and then I would bleed a lot. I liked the way the blood was so deeply red, and then how it turned brown when it dried. It reminded me of my wet footprints on hot concrete, how satisfying it was to watch them evaporate, as if I were invisible, as if I were disappearing. Inevitably, Mom would find me with blood running down my leg, and I'd have to admit that I'd done it to myself. I didn't mind too much. It meant that Mom would sit me up on the counter in the bathroom and swab my scab with hydrogen peroxide. I liked to watch it fizz. I enjoyed the burning sensation. It reminded me of the time I drank some cough syrup and it burned and warmed my whole body. Mom watched the fizzing, too, for a while, all spaced out, one hand on my knee, just the two of us together. Then she snapped out of it and told me to stop picking my scabs, for God's sakes. Thirteen. I watched that show, Dog Whisperer, like, a lot. On the show, Caesar Milan often describes his dog training techniques through the use of analogy. For example, if the client with the misbehaving dog is a plumber, he will use plumbing analogies. If the client is an art collector, he will say something like, Well, your dog has certainly made his own work of art by peeing on your carpet. This approach seems to work well. You can see the light bulb go on in people's faces that they finally get what he is talking about. But if you're not the dog whisperer, don't do this. It's condescending. 14. A lot of people ask the question, if you could only have one album forever on a desert island, what would it be? I'm more interested in what I would be wearing. I think of old military clothes, shirts and jackets and old cargo pants, their skin as soft and velvety as sand. Look, I was a kid once with a loincloth, a bead necklace, a rattle. I know what it is to be sentimental. 15. I used to date skinny men, I mean really skinny, so skinny and tall they looked as if they were walking into a strong wind, men that had hip bones like daggers who had to eat every hour on the hour or they would fall over from exhaustion, and now I see a love handle bulging over a belt, skimming the surface of a flimsy t-shirt, and it doesn't make me think, as I used to, that someone's let himself go. It's just as far as I'm concerned a way the body tells you that, yes, I'm here, this is where I'm at, just checking in. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.